0: Everyone is really looking at ways to do everything within healthcare delivery differently.
1: What industry leaders are saying about the future of healthcare today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Grotto. Today, we've got a special episode. We are going to be discussing the first two parts of our Healthcare 2030 series and then talking a little bit about what's to come. I have interviews to share with two of the organizations who have contributed to making this series possible. But first, I would like to welcome the two people spearheading the 2030 project HFMA's Director of Content Strategy, Brad Dennison, and Senior Editor Paul Barr. Hi, Brad and Paul.
2: Hey, Erica. Hello, Erica.
1: So Brad, tell us a little bit about the series.
2: So Healthcare 2030 is a four-part series. The four pieces include CFO of the Future, Workforce of the Future, the Future of Consumer Expectations, and the Future of Strategic Investment. The CFO and Workforce have already been released, and you can find those at hfma.org. The other two parts uh, will be released in November and December. The whole idea of the series is to examine the here and now um, but not get too caught up in what that means over the next two or three years, but what direction that may send things over the next 10 years and where we're likely to land 10 years from now. So it's complete with original reporting and original surveys throughout the course of the series. We've interviewed HFMA CFOs and. In- one of the things that we saw especially in our summer surveys was just a lot of concern and hand-wringing over the possibility of losing a lot of ground on key service lines. And, you know, as Paul and I talked about this and looked at the surveys, we realized, wow, we're actually kind of making some news here with our own surveys. We sort of popped out from the series and did a cover story just on key elements of the surveys from the CFO series. So, Paul, you did the reporting on the October cover story in HFM Magazine. You want to talk a little bit about that?
3: Sure, Brad. Yeah, I did the cover story on the survey, and there were some really interesting findings in there. It seems like, in general, that CFOs in the industry have pretty much accepted the fact that disruption is coming and recognized that they're not sure what the tipping point is going to be, though. So the numbers showed that there was vulnerability to disruption. Expected in a big way in terms of cost effectiveness, consumer expectations, access to care, primary care, and even patient care management. Another thing that stood out in the numbers was the degree of activity taking place in terms of improving diversity, equity, and inclusion. It seems like a good chunk of the systems and hospitals are doing a lot in that regard, but the survey also indicated that some systems feel that they're at a point where they're comfortable with the efforts that they're undertaking in that area. One final area that stood out in my mind is the respondents are pretty much accepting of the fact that outpatient care is becoming more important in terms of revenue than inpatient care. And then looking at beyond that, there's also looking at areas outside of outpatient care. they outpatient clinics, that is. They're looking at home-based hospital care, that sort of thing, and wearables. So overall, I would say the survey revealed a lot that we already knew, but the degree to what people are expecting these changes to take place, uh, there it feels like it's getting closer.
2: So thanks, Paul. And I would just say that the reaction to this series so far has been overwhelming. CFO of the Future, which was the, the earliest one that was released, is the most read article of the year over at HMA.org. Um, I expect this whole package will be the most read thing we've ever done, released on the website. So really excited about how well received it's been and a lot of great information there that it's hard to do justice in just uh, just a couple of minutes. The other thing I wanted to do is just acknowledge the sponsors. We just couldn't do this work without them. And that's been Bank of America BKD the Chartist Group and Extend Healthcare. They've been great to be involved in this and support this work. So just wanted to give a shout out to them, Erica.
1: And for those people listening who have not had the chance to read the pieces that have come out so far, I will post a link in the show notes. But for now, I would like to share the interviews with two of the organizations who have supported this research. The first person is Danielle Solomon, the National Healthcare Industry Partner at BKD. She's going to be discussing innovation and disruption. And then we have Mike Morris, president and CEO at Extend Healthcare, and he'll be talking about workforce and technology. So the first part of the series focused, as we mentioned, on CFO of the future. So Paul, what were some of the themes in the research that emerged around that topic in particular?
3: Well, the biggest theme that I noticed is the fact that the CFO is no longer just concerned with financials. They have to be involved in just about every other area taking place just because everything is becoming so capital intensive. Years back, CFOs had to become experts in information technology because they're spending so much on EHRs. Now they're looking at technology, home-based care, and other forms of innovation as areas of big investment. So they have to become experts in that area as well.
1: Brad, anything you want to add to that?
2: The other thing I would say about the CFO of the future piece was, one of the surveys that we did with that really looked at where CFOs are bucketing their time these days. And we're seeing an increase in, to Paul's point, in time really put into organizational strategy. Probably on average, it was maybe uh, 25% to a third of their time. But when you look at some of the individual breakdowns, you have CFOs out there putting up to about half their time into strategies. I think CFOs are going to continue to be a more and more integral part of the C-suite and provider strategy going forward.
1: So this seems like a good opportunity to bring up our first interview. As I mentioned before, Danielle Solomon is BKD's Healthcare National Industry Partner, and she joined me to discuss how leaders should be approaching disruption and looking to innovate from the inside. As you looked at the research that was done at some of the editorial pieces that came out, what was your biggest takeaway? Did anything surprise you? Did anything very much not surprise you? Although it wasn't surprising, I
0: would say how pervasive and real the workforce issues are is a common theme that I noticed through all the responses. And I say it isn't surprising because I hear it every day from providers that we're working with and the tough decisions that they're making. You touched in the last podcast, but definitely talked about concerns and challenges the workforce has created in delivery of care, in quality of care, financial strains, access to care, just to name a few. It's very real and it's very alarming. what's encouraging to me and evident in the survey is the desire and openness with many providers to reimagine care and look for alternatives and new solutions. Um, You've likely heard the saying, out of crisis comes opportunity. And the need is really requiring us to ask a lot of questions and really challenge the status quo. You know, in the meantime, we're working with a lot of providers every day on evaluating ways to pay for the increased cost of the workforce.
1: Yeah, definitely. That, that piece was something that really stood out to me as well, especially as you mentioned the episode that I recently did. I think you're speaking of the one I did with the nursing leaders. Yeah, about shortages and it seems to be a theme that comes up a whole lot lately of X was an issue before the pandemic and the pandemic has exacerbated that issue. And this seems to fit squarely in that space. Let's get into some of the top concerns. Cost-effectiveness of care, meeting consumer expectations, and access to care were among those top concerns of survey respondents when they were asked about which segments of healthcare are most vulnerable to disruption from outside the industry. In your view, how can healthcare organizations get ahead of this and put themselves in a better position to innovate?
0: You know, you mentioned the top three, but what I thought was interesting when I looked at the survey data is all the information that was listed, like all of them were pretty high, which I thought was pretty eye opening. That really resonated with me that everyone is really looking at ways to do everything within healthcare delivery differently. So I thought that that was really encouraging. The crisis was providing a lot of opportunity to reimagine care look at care models, look at care settings. And I think all of this will ultimately address costs. Healthcare providers previously had been pretty slow to respond. However, they're really asking a lot of questions now. They're asking the right questions and really much more open to transforming care delivery. The other thing is price transparency is upon us right now. And I think that has really been a kickstart for many organizations to manage cost and deliver quality care consumer expectation is a tough one since healthcare is very personal it's each person's expectation could vary yet we still need to strive to meet all those personal expectations so i think it's safe to say that you know all patients enjoy flexibility and expect cost-effective quality care so striving for excellence in those areas is a focus to really better position yourself I know I've talked to other folks in the industry and they're like, gosh, innovate is such an overused word. You know, we've got to come up with a different word to use. And so that's why I hear a lot more organizations, you know, saying reimagine how would we do this differently And, and challenging the status quo more than just saying we're going to innovate something to put us in a better position. Access to care is very critical. And we really saw health disparities. It became to the forefront during this pandemic. So it created a lot more awareness. We already knew about it, but it also created a lot more possibilities with telehealth.
1: In the past couple of years, companies like Amazon and Google have gotten a lot of attention for their healthcare ventures. And then they make headlines again when they shut those businesses down. And it seems like the immediate reaction from the industry seems to be a wave of people saying, see, guys, healthcare is really hard, followed by others saying, don't count them out. They know what they're doing. And I, I can see where an Amazon or a Google announcing that they have a new healthcare venture that can feel very intimidating because how can you compete with those companies? But then on the other side, you've got them ending those initiatives practically before they begin. So if you're a healthcare leader, how can you focus on the right disruptor at the right time? How do you even know who you want to try to compete against? How do you know who to take notice of? Or are you just looking in every direction at every moment, trying to juggle everyone who's trying to enter that space? You know, I think both of those reactions and both of those comments
0: are accurate. We do make healthcare hard, but also I think disruptors are still working on ideas and solutions, and I think they need to be. And I think we would encourage them to continue to come up with a way. We've seen a lot more collaboration in the past two years and folks working together to really make healthcare stronger and better for our communities. We've also shown a lot of what we thought was impossible possible and not is it just possible in a couple years it's possible today telemedicine was not something that we we talked about it for a long time but it wasn't widely used until we had to use it and guess what we figured out a way to do it and we almost figured out a way to do it it seemed like overnight and are making it successful i see providers learning from what worked and what didn't work and taking steps and actions for continuous improvement and investing in new models I really see the norm of challenging the status quo and once again reimagining care. And that is very encouraging. And I think that they would collaborate with others and look for ideas. A lot of times you ask engineers to approach something in healthcare because they are not biased. They look at it completely from their engineering mind and they don't have how we've always done it or 20 years experience. So really just trying to clean that slate and really think of things differently, I think, is really important. You know, the question was really about as a leader, how do you focus on the right disruptor at the right time? And it's very true. As a leader, you need to be aware of what's happening outside your walls and really evaluate the likelihood of those occurring so you can address and respond and figure out where you fit into that mix. And I think many leaders and challengers out there really are encouraging their teams to disrupt themselves. And I find that very exciting and encouraging for healthcare as well.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And thank you also to BKD for supporting this research and this important work that we've been doing.
0: Thanks, Erica. I really appreciate you having me. And BKD has really enjoyed um, supporting and collaborating with HFMA on many of these projects to help our healthcare providers.
1: Part two of the series came out earlier this month, October 4th, and that focused on the workforce of the future. So, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about the trends you saw in this portion of the research?
3: An area that I found interesting was the work from home movement, which pretty much everyone understands is going to be here for to stay for a while, but it's all turning into a double-edged sword for hospitals and health systems, because while they're able to accommodate their employees, let them work from home, from anywhere in the country, that's sort of, in effect, broadening the job market. So for certain positions, they're finding that they can recruit nationally now, which can be helpful. But by the same token, their own employees can be recruited nationally by other organizations. So there's some unknowns going on with that. But overall, it seems that hospitals and health systems are comfortable with the idea of people working from home. And the the other big issue is obviously burnout. The fear is that it's going to become more than just a short-term phenomenon tied to the pandemic, that some structural changes may be taking place that could have an effect on overall supply of workers.
2: I mean, we see in the surveys that uh, registered nurses in particular, that is like a situation that's that's on fire. And it's there are no easy answers coming anytime soon on that. And it's not so much, I think, a recruiting issue as it is a administrative burden issue, as it is a, a shortage issue, as it is. How do you replace people who are burned out and leaving the workforce? Boomers who are deciding now's the time to leave the workforce. There's this mass exodus. And I think you know, as we talk to healthcare executives, I think the prevailing thought is we got to disrupt our own model of how we do nursing here.
1: As you heard, this is something that Daniel Solomon referenced when, when we had our conversation. It was a topic on the podcast a few weeks ago. It's definitely on a lot of people's minds including the next interview I have to share Mike Morris is the president and CEO of Extend Healthcare and I asked him the same thing that I asked Danielle Solomon about what surprised him about the research and he too brought up the workforce issue right away
4: Yeah there's a couple of data points that that actually did surprise me especially as you uh, consider looking out into the year 2030 and it really revolved around two things one is the Percentage of remote workforce, I noticed that the respondents, for the most part, thought that it would be around 21 percent penetration of of remote workforce in the future. And and also the labor pool I found interesting. Uh, Most respondents thought it would either be just as hard or even harder to find resources in the future. And I think what's really going to happen and a, a lot of it's driven by the pandemic is that you're going to see a lot more penetration of remote workforce in the future, especially by 2030. I kind of equate it to outpatient coding for the most part is done remotely today. And if you look back 10 years or so, that wasn't necessarily the case. I also think it's gonna be driven by the labor pool. I think that a lot of people have gotten used to working from home and they're not going to accept roles where they need to go back into the office in the future. You probably heard about the the great resignation seems to be something talked about a lot lately where uh, individuals, if they have to change their their work location going forward, they're likely to resign. So I think as an industry, we're gonna have to uh, respond to that. And for work events that can be done at home, I think that that's where they'll have to be done in order to get the resources to be able to do that. When that happens, I actually think it's going to be easier to recruit people in the future than it is today, simply because you can draw from a labor pool throughout the United States, not just the local geography that you're located within.
1: I think you're spot on with talking about the recruiting from other places around the country. I know people within healthcare and outside of healthcare who have gotten jobs in different states where they wouldn't have even been looking because now they get to work from wherever they live. That's right. Yeah. So let's get into technology a little bit. Technology and AI in particular, which we've definitely been discussing for a very long time, but um, were cited as promising areas of innovation over the next 10 years. Um, Really will be interesting to see where things go by 2030. But respondents to the surveys mentioned both clinical and financial uses for such technology. So I'm curious, where do you think the biggest opportunities lie here?
4: I noted in the survey results that there's a high percentage of technology adoption both today as well as a prediction that that will grow in the future. But I think within our industry, there's there's really two types of automation. There's that what they call robotic process uh, automation or RPA. That's really taking a manual task and being able to automate it. Then you've got what's called machine learning, and that is once you've gathered all that data, digging through that data to make observations, and then there's AI or artificial intelligence, which is actually taking all that data, learning what you can from that data, and then automating go forward steps. And I think on the clinical side of the house for health systems, that's done today. And I think it's going to be done significantly more. And I think there's great value there, but there's also great value in being able to do that on the administrative side of the house. There's a lot of use cases that would indicate that you can drive significant cost out of the administrative side of healthcare by going from RPA to machine learning and ultimately to AI. So I'm excited to see what that can do, especially when you think about the reimbursement pressure that all health systems are under today and will continue to be under into the future. It's gonna put a lot of stress on cost to collect and figuring out administratively, how can you get reimbursed for the services that you render, collect every dollar that you should, but be able to do it at a low price point in terms of what you pay to go out and collect on your claim. So that's where I think technology and AI in particular will have a big impact over the course of the next decade and is likely what the world's gonna look like by the time we get to 2030. There's really two challenges that we have to continue to think about, and that is the rate of patient adoption. And then specifically in rural markets, we need to make sure that there's ready accessibility to those uh, tools that allow you to interact with your physician. And then second, I think, is the providers need to be comfortable that that parity between reimbursement for telehealth and outpatient services will remain in the long run. And we've seen some moves by CMS and a lot of state agencies that regulate insurance to make some changes that will assure that that reimbursement continues permanently and isn't something that's just in place for the duration of the pandemic. So I think when those two things occur, you'll see the accessibility to healthcare in rural environments will improve dramatically, which I think will be a, a great goal and accomplishment for, for the healthcare industry.
1: Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. And certainly thank you to Extend Healthcare for partnering with HFMA to do this important research.
4: So, Erica, we we appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today and uh, have a great day.
1: Brad, I know the next part of the series is in the works. It comes out on November 1st, and it focuses on my favorite topic, consumer expectations. Can you tell us a bit about that piece?
2: Yeah, one of my favorite topics, too. I just tell you a quick story. I was having a conversation probably six months ago with uh, Tatiana Popkova, who's chief strategy officer at Rush here in Chicago. And we were talking about disruption and I started talking about Amazon and, and she talked about how you know she can't wait to find ways to partners with the Amazons and the disruptors that are coming into the market. And it just sort of flipped how I think about this is she was kind of the first person who was just so overt and aggressive, about that, and that was a big driver in this piece: uh, the future of consumer expectations. Because how she thought about that, juxtaposed against some of the CFO surveys that we did there, were were really interesting. But um, you know, consumer expectations have been changing for years. Healthcare isn't the only thing that drives that. People are used to. Interacting with technology in a lot of different industries in a lot of different ways every day, obviously. And that creates expectations that, hey, my healthcare should work this way. The pandemic only served to accelerate that. So, this piece really is about embracing the change, embracing the disruption, and maybe even embracing the disruptors.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to reading that piece. I've gotten to peek at some of the survey data and it's it's pretty telling. Um, This is a challenging time in healthcare because of the pandemic, but so many of these issues that we're talking about are not new and they won't be going away even once we move past the pandemic. So it's gonna be interesting to see how things develop over the next uh, several years. So Brad and Paul, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Special thanks to our Healthcare 2030 partners, Bank of America, BKD, Extend Healthcare, and the Chartist Group. We will be back next week with a new episode, so be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you've got your phone out, send us an email. We want to know what you think. You can reach our team at podcast at hfma.org.
2: I was talking and it was brilliant and I was on mute the whole time.